Dalton here with the Halfway Healthy Show. We'll keep this intro real short and sweet. We have some awesome sponsors you can check out in the description of the episode. It really is the best way to support the show and keep food on my kids' plates. So let's get right into the episode. Morning, core boy. Good morning, darling. How are you, man? How the hell are you? Well, you know, uh, life's a little insane right now. Got married last weekend. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Happy for you. Um, <laughs> moving now this week, uh, This the apartment's in shambles. Stayed up till about two or three in the morning, just packing, cleaning up taking care of tasks. We're on our last two days of packing and then we're leaving, man. Good. I'm we're happy. almost there. I'm happy for you. Yeah. That's a, that's always the worst part of, of the move is all the, all the packing and getting things going, but it's going to be exciting this weekend when you guys actually make, yeah. the, make the journey. Get back to some sense of normalcy, work just a full-time job and nothing more. Yeah. How long, That'll how long until you, how long until you guys both start work when you get over there? Uh, we only gave ourselves a week, but I kind of feel like I wish I would have given myself a little bit more. Um, so we will have, you know, from Sunday when we get there until the next Monday, it's like eight days Mm -hmm. better than nothing. Yeah. When I was traveling, I would just, I would go end on a Friday, I'd move across the country and then I'd start on that like next Monday. Yeah. And I'm not about that. No, you get, I mean, I <laughs> but feel everyone like, I talked to is like, shit, you should have given yourself some time. Yeah. I mean, it could have been like a little mini vacation in a new, a new home, but I've, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm probably, I, I probably would do the same thing and just give myself a week. So if like more than a week, you get kind of, I don't know, it kind of itchy and want to go do something that's, you know. Yeah. And the only other problem, if I could have given myself two weeks, I might've taken that, but it was either based on their start dates. It was either, you know, you could only start every two weeks. So it was either take a week or take three weeks. Has to align with the pay period. seemed excessive. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, dude, I'm excited for you. Congrats on the, on the marriage. Did that all go well? I know you, I know you guys did a small little, small little wedding. I'm sure those, those go over a lot, uh, smoother i was at a wedding a couple weeks ago and it was it was fine it was just a big wedding and they're just they're they're chaotic man yeah and you know it was so it was just family you know we had maybe like 40 people there and uh anything that went wrong just like wasn't really that big of a yeah you know not everything goes according to plan but when it was just family there it was just like eh, who cares you know like it uh it was an outdoor wedding you know, May in Colorado, it was hit or miss on what the weather would be. Ended up raining. Mm. It was fucking freezing cold. Emily's like trying to take pictures in her dress and then would like go into like hypothermic shock and like start shaking. <laughs> and then we'd have to like put a, put a jacket on her and had to buy like a, a mobile heater for her to stand in front of so she could take more pictures. It was, but it was great. I mean, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. Something to remember. It rained at the wedding I went to too. It might've been the same day that you got married. Actually, was it the day after I had my nose surgery? What is it? So it wasn't the, wasn't yeah, last Friday, well, the, but 13th. The, the, the Saturday before. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. Yeah. 
See how it yeah, I, and everyone keeps saying, it's good luck if it rains on your wedding. There you go. And I said to every single person, I don't know what that means, but okay, thank you. A lot of superstitious people it. around weddings for sure. I, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, you've had you've had some crazy changes. Big news. Um, I I'm, I just cannot get my eyes off of that beak. I mean, friend. I asked him for, I wanted to, to look like I was a, a Cindy Lou Who relative. And that's what they, that's what they gave mm-hmm. me. They gave me a beautiful Whoville nose that I can now sing some Christmas cheer. And it's, it was, it's fucking awesome, dude. Now, the, the other, so I had my nose surgery a week and a half ago. And I'll, actually, yeah, it'll be two weeks on Friday. And I got a lot. Of, I got a lot to talk about it in, ter- in terms of the the nose surgery because it was a it was a pretty wild ride. Um, so, in, just so people know, I don't have a Cindy Lou who knows. I had a deviated septum, which I know Corey and I talked about a little bit. Basically, the cartilage and bone that runs vertical down your nose. Mine was like S curved, and so whenever I would breathe, it would one of my nostrils would completely collapse. And I wouldn't get any air through it. And then the other one was so occluded by my deviated septum that I was getting barely any air. And so I was having to wear nose strips every day when I go to bed. And just basically throughout the day, I was having, you know, usually 90% of the time I was severely congested and I couldn't breathe. So I ended up going to the plastic surgeon and I got the surgery done. And holy shit, it was insane for like a good... Well, I guess until I went and got my, got everything pulled out of my nose on Monday, I mean, I could not breathe at all through my nose. I mean, nothing. It was just pure mouth breathing. And the first three days after, like, I, I promise I'm not exaggerating. I would sleep for 10 minutes at a time. Like I would, I had to sleep on the couch. So, cause I had to be elevated and I would sleep for about 10 minutes and then I would gasp, <gasps> I would like gasp awake and my mouth would feel like I had Elmer's glue in it. It was so dry. And I was like, <sniffs> like I was, I literally thought I was dying like every 10 minutes. And so that was like the first three days. And then I kind of got used to it a little bit and it wasn't as bad, but that was honestly the absolute worst part. Cause I, I actually met somebody whenever I had my face all taped up and they were like, Oh, did you have a deviated septum surgery? And I said, yeah. And they said, Oh, that, that was the worst decision I've ever made. I tell everybody if they're going to have it to not get it done. And I was like, Oh God, like what, what was wrong with yours? And he said, I felt like I got bashed over the face with a baseball bat. And I was like, Oh, I, that's Just not like trauma. That's not my experience at all. Like I had, I had nearly zero pain. So like for people that are on the fence about getting it, I'm not trying to scare you by saying it was horrendous, but the breathing was very tough, but the, the actual pain part, I had nearly zero pain. It was just very uncomfortable whenever your nose is full of gauze and splints and you have to breathe out of your mouth. So like, I, I, you know, I was, I, I of course you're, I was under anesthesia for three hours. That's what the, how long the surgery took, which was crazy. And, uh, so you have the general recovery of anesthesia. That's not easy, but you know, in general, it was pretty smooth. And after I got my, my stuff out of my nose on Monday, things have been smooth sailing, dude. I feel like a hundred thousand bucks. It's amazing. I mean, worth the struggle, would you say? I mean, everyone that you oh. talked to said, oh, I try to convince them not to do it. I mean, do you have any regrets or reservations? No, I really, I really don't. And I think because I, here's, here's the big thing for me. I, so I'm not supposed to even be fully recovered until they say two weeks post-surgery, you're going to be like for those full two weeks, you're going to be severely congested. It's going to be very tough to breathe. 
I've once they pulled all the stuff out of my nose on Monday, which was only a week and a half post-surgery, I took a big deep breath and it was the best breath that I've had my entire life. And I'm not even supposed to be quote unquote fully recovered. And so I have no reservations at all. It was a shitty week. I'm not going to lie, but like I've had knee surgeries and shoulder surgeries that take three months to feel good. And they're, they're not fun at all. But yeah, I mean, of, of course, I'm not going to lie that, you know, the first week sucked ass. Cause like going outside, I couldn't really, I can't exercise for two weeks. That's hard for me. I can't, I couldn't do a lot of walking, but I could do a little bit, but I mean, it's, it's a major surgery. So it's not anything that's like out of the ordinary it's on your face. So people would probably think, Oh, it's probably a really quick recovery, but it's not again, though. It's, it, it was all worth it after nine days. And I got all that shit pulled out of my nose. And I, again, I took the best breath that I took in my, my taken my entire life. Both my nostrils stayed open, got a huge breath. It was, it was amazing. See, I have no reservations at all. Again, I'll probably yeah. never forget well, how shitty that week was, but I feel so much better and I'm not even fully recovered yet. Yeah. And there's, there's this video I saw recently that was saying like, Oh, you put your thumbs on each nostril and you know what? I don't know what the nose hair situation is. All right. So everyone bear with me, but you know, you put your fingers on your nostrils and you pull them up yep. and you breathe in and they're like, if that's what it would feel like if you just didn't have a deviated septum mm -hmm. and I can breathe so good. And yeah. I'm sitting here thinking like all these people are taking for granted being able to breathe. Cause that feels so good being able to do that. Yep. And I, and I fully have, like Dalton said, we've talked about this at length in previous episodes, but I fully plan on getting this surgery. And I think that you and I could both agree that I'm probably the less tough friend. <laughs> so maybe I'll have, maybe I'll have a different story to tell when I get mine. Maybe I'll, I'll be on the side of like, get hit in the face with a baseball bat. Biggest regret of my life would never do it. I don't know. Some dramatic shit like that. And see, I don't, I think honestly, and I don't, I don't know this, but everybody that I've, everybody that I've talked to about my surgeon says that he's very, very good. And he was recommended to me by another surgeon, which, you know, says something. So I honestly put a lot of that success into the surgeon just saying, I think he's just really, really good. Um, and maybe this person who felt like they got bashed over the face had a bad, had a bad surgeon. So, you know, I, I, of course I've only had one, so I have nothing to judge off of personally, but I think the surgeon just did a really great job. And, you know, I, it's, it was amazing to me because again, outside of just general discomfort of like, you know, my eyes would just start crying for no reason the first three or four days after surgery. And then I just felt extremely stuffy and very swollen in my face. But outside of that, again, there was no pain. I had occasional little like bee stings of pain that just like randomly came out of nowhere and then they would go away. But that was, that's it. I mean, it was, it was mostly painless. So yeah, I, I definitely would tell people to, you know, shop a doc. I mean, find somebody that has really good reviews and if you don't like the person that you go see, go see somebody else and, you know, just get, I, I, I got two opinions and the first one said, yeah, I can't help you. I recommend you go see this person. And they did. And then, you know, so make sure you don't just, you know, go on Google and pick the first one that pops up. Make sure you look around a little bit and find a good doctor, but it's been, of course, I'm not fully healed yet, but even to date, I mean, it's life-changing. The last two days have been, I've been able to breathe the entire day. And it's, that's, I have not had that experience my entire life. Great success. We'll yeah. call that a great success. It's well, a great success, I mean, it, it can be a little slippery slope. You know, I'm on the fence of being worried about you now that you've gotten that model nose. I, I see the confidence spewing from you. 
And, uh, you know, what's next, you know, you get your teeth done, you get your butt lift, you know, you get your cheek implants. Next thing you know, you look like Jody high roller and you, you acting like you don't know anybody anymore. And I'm taking off to send it to a new echelon. I'm about to, right? I'm about to get, so uh, just, I'm about to get those, uh, those silicone bicep implants next. I'm going to be absolutely Ooh, yoked. Yeah. Have you seen those? Like the, the oh, Russian shit. guy that's fully, fully done. Yeah, and then they, you know, they do too much, and then their arm literally explodes from all the pressure mm-hmm. from all the liquid inside of it. Yeah, that's a good yeah. question. How about this? How, how about this? Like Valentine's, something like that. If you, <clears throat> besides your nose, if you had to get something done up on yourself, some sort of plastic surgery, what would you do? Mm. Obviously, we know you need your, your nose done, but outside of that, what would you get done? Would you get a little all bit right, of that, listen, little bit of that I've lip filler? You, I'm self conscious about turn that. Turn the lips up, or would you get a little? Uh, little BBL, maybe a little, uh, little toe lengthening. What are you, what are you thinking? Honestly, maybe I would get, uh, maybe I'd get like a little hair, like laser hair removal or something, mm. you know, does that count or is that too, too little? It's probably a little bit, uh, a little bit too surface level. I feel like, but where would you, what would you get hair okay. removal at? Like on the, on the scrotum? Dude. Oh, right on the scrotum, bro. Oof. No, I've, I've got, I've got a pretty hairy fucking butt crack, you know, yeah. it gets a little sweaty back there during the intense moments. Can you imagine you know? that has to be uh, so uncomfortable? That. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I would just, I'd be very interested in just laying on a table and having someone spread my butt cheeks and feeling the freedom of that. So just spraying honestly, the laser it might be a good there. experience as well. As far as, uh, as far as actual surgeries, I don't know. Maybe I'd li- lipo my man tits or something. <laughs> just get like a, just a a flat, just give you a flat chest. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, so I don't even know if I've given you this update or not, but since the beginning of the year, I've lost 20 pounds so far. Let's go. Still working on it. Uh, I'm on, I'm on this journey with everybody else, you know, talking about all this shit. And I figured, well, if I'm going to talk about it, then I might as well implement it. And, uh, yeah, there, uh, at the beginning of the year, I, I had some, some mantids that honestly would arouse me every once in a while if I saw them <laughs> at the right angle. And I knew that that was becoming a problem. That was kind of my breaking point. So yeah, maybe, maybe just, uh, take those babies down. Oh yeah, dude. Well, congratulations. 20 pounds is, is awesome. What's your, what's your goal? How much more are you wanting to lose? Um, I, I mean, not much because I want to, I want to kind of, I've done this before, you know, you drop it and then six months later you're back up at your weight, you know? So I want to try to like stick at weights for a little while and just like see what's good, see what's sustainable for, you know, my activity and my diets and what I do. Um, so I'm kind of like hanging with where I'm at right now for a couple more weeks. I think end goal, maybe like 10 more pounds. And then just obviously exchanging where, where the weight is would be the ideal next step or something that is being worked towards as well. Um, again, moving it from the tits and maybe putting it right in the glutes or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I think that's important, you know, just to find what, cause everybody's got their own ideal weight. Cause I know that whenever I was, whenever I was losing weight and I got, you know, arguably too skinny, I did not feel good. And then whenever I put on a little bit more mm-hmm. mass, I felt a lot better. And I usually hover around like 185 is like the most comfortable for me. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important to do what you're doing. Cause you may find that, you know, where you're at is a comfortable weight for you. And like you said, maybe you want to redistribute that, lose a little fat, gain a little muscle here and there. But, um, yeah, cause if you, you know, we've talked about before, but if you, if you dive in and you lose 
you know, 50 pounds in three months, you know, almost everybody gains that back because it's just too aggressive. You're not, you're just doing a lot of crash dieting sort of style of, of losing weight and it's just not sustainable for a lot of people. So I think, I think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. When I, uh, when I was really like really trying to lose the weight and, you know, implementing some kind of like pseudo type calorie counting, you know, just like very basic, just trying to be like, okay, what do I think this was? What do I think this was? Maybe I should limit myself to, you know, this type of a meal at the end of the day when I was really going, going hard. And I started getting dizzy every single time I stood up, I thought, okay, maybe Ooh. I should take it easy. Maybe I should back back down a little bit. Yeah. Dude, uh, I remember. So, yeah. Just kind of taking it a little slower. Yeah. I have a, I have a buddy who lost a bunch of weight and I remember at one point he was telling me that his, he was eating like 900 calories a day and that was his goal for the day. And I was like, man, that is not sustainable. You got to be careful. That is so tough. No, absolutely. I, I think he was like 190 pounds at the time or something. And I'm like, that is, that is like a, a child's calories. Actually, not even that probably like a, a 90 pound woman's calories for the day. Like, and, and actually probably not even that it's probably still a little low. So it was just not sustainable. And honestly, partially dangerous to do that low. So yeah, the fact that you were having dizziness when you stood up and shit, that's a, it's a bad sign <laughs> yeah. before we get too I mean, far I away, to even admit this to you, but I was, I was probably around that, like the 900, 800 calorie some days. And that's Damn, yeah, not man. sustainable. Like you said, no, that's yeah, that's, that's brutal. Before we get too far away from the, the no surgery, I actually had two, two stories that I want to talk about. Um, not specifically about me, but about just the, the process that I thought were funny. So I love your stories. One, on, baby. One was <laughs> my interaction on Monday when I got my nose splints out. So when I went and got my nose splints out and got all the shit pulled out of my nose, they did a big like suction. They just like kind of like the, the suction they use in your mouth of the dentist to suck all the stuff out whenever they're trying to keep it dry. They use that almost. It just felt like it was five times stronger. Like they were sucking my brains out, but felt so much better after the funny part was so during this whole process, weirdly, the, I don't know what they did. I'm sure it's some sort of disinfectant or like some, some way to completely sterilize the outside of the nose while they were doing the procedure. But my nose was bone dry. The outside of it was like cracking almost. It was very strange. And so while I'm there, after they pull everything out, they were like, Hey, do you have any other, you know, have any other concerns, questions? And I'm like, yeah, just a, you know, just a, a quick question. You know, my nose is so dry. Is there anything I can do? Cause I've, I put some lotion on it and it just disappeared. Like it soaked it up immediately and it was still extremely cracky. And the surgeon, I don't know if people know, but plastic surgeons, a lot of them have like spas attached to their clinics or they sell their own product. And so it's just a, a way for them to be like a little empire. And so this plastic surgeon, they have their own, their own product there, like their own beauty, beauty, uh, supplies and stuff like that. And so I ask him, you know, Hey, what can I do for my, for my nose? It's really, really dry. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, uh, you know, we could definitely do something for that. And he, and he looks at his assistant who's standing right behind him, this, this young girl. And he goes, yeah, Claire, uh, you know, what's that product that we have that, that would be, you know, good for that, that the moisturizer. And, you know, she kind of thinks for a second and looks at me and she goes, yeah, to be honest, you know, you could really just use any moisturizer and just put Aquaphor over it. And just like, he kind of, 
he laid it up for her to like fucking dunk and be like, oh yeah, you've got to use this product that we have. And she just fucking swatted right. that shit out of the air and was like, yeah, just use anything you want. Just put aquifer on it. And I laughed so hard because while Definitely she was she, here, she kept like, she kept kind of describing just like, yeah, any sort of moisturizer, you want to use this or that and do that. And as she was, she was describing it, I like kind of peeked up to my right and saw the surgeon just like fucking staring her down. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Dude, I, pissed. yeah, dude, he was so, so <laughs> it was so funny. Cause you could tell he was like, oh yeah, yeah. We've got a product for that. And she was like, nope, don't fucking waste your money. Just buy some, <laughs> buy some lotion, put some aquaphor on it. And that's what I did. And my nose is perfectly fine now. I just put some aquaphor on it. And dude, it's been, out of your desperation, you you would have paid for a forty five dollar bottle, and that's the thing is, I probably would have bought a little. You would have done it. Yeah, I probably would have bought a little like two ounce bottle for forty five dollars. And but I, you know, thank mm-hmm. God she was like, yeah, just put some aquaphor on it. But yeah, that was. I thought that was fucking good job, hilarious. Claire. Yeah, thanks. Good Claire. job, Rose. Fuck. But yeah, that was. I, I think don't, that was. Don't hire a Claire. That's the moral of the story. What'd you say? Don't hire a Claire. Yeah, that's just the moral of the story. She's not gonna. She's not gonna build up your marketing team. Thank you, Momentus, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Momentus specializes in sports nutrition products designed to optimize your active life. They are trusted by experts like Dr. Andrew Huberman, Dr. Kelly Starrett, and over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. Momentus takes pride in having the highest quality ingredients that are backed by rock-solid science. Still questioning their track record? Let me set it straight for you. Over 72% of NFL teams consistently purchase products from Momentus. When you're ready to grab some of the highest quality products on the market, go to livemomentous.com and use code DALTON15 at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Again, that's livemomentous.com and use the code DALTON15 at checkout to get 15% off. Thanks again for Momentous for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This episode is also sponsored by Neurogum. If you're tired of ripping through pot after pot of coffee, then you need to check out Neurogum. They have a range of gum and mints, so you can choose the flavor of your liking, from classic peppermint to honey lemon and cinnamon. They come packed with caffeine, B vitamins, and my favorite, L-theanine. The theanine is a natural way to decrease those negative side effects that we get from drinking too much coffee, like jitters and anxiety. I notice whenever I use NeuroGum while I work, I get a little boost of energy and focus that's even better than coffee, which is saying a lot because Papa is a coffee addict. The best part is they offer a full refund, no questions asked, if you aren't completely happy with your purchase. Right now, exclusively for halfway healthy listeners, you can get 15 to 20% off their bags of gum or mints. If you just head on over to tryneurogum.com slash Dalton, that's tryneurogum.com slash Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N, to claim your 15 to 20% off. Thank you, Neurogum, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, the other thing, which I think that you'll have, you'll have some input on, is the difference between a for-profit hospital versus a non-profit hospital. So I, the, the, the company that I work for is a non-profit hospital. And so, and I've really not been in any other setting besides a non-profit hospital setting. And so for me, it was a little bit different for the surgery experience because my, my, uh, plastic surgeon, he is not affiliated or doesn't work for this for-profit hospital, but that's where he does his surgeries. And so I go and see him at his own clinic. And then we schedule the surgery, which is at a local for-profit hospital. And it was absurd. 
like I've, I've never had a surgery done at a for-profit hospital, at least in my recent memory. And so the level of unnecessary things that they put on me and put in me were insane. Like I, I, so I want to know if you've had the same experience or, and I know you've worked for nonprofit or for for-profits and nonprofits. So I'm just curious if you have any, any takes on this, but like, let me give you an example. So I go in for a nose surgery and they, for some reason made me get completely naked, which I've never, they've always been like, yeah, leave your underwear on and, and wear your gown completely naked. Didn't know why. Um, as I'm like fucking knees up, like I'm having a baby and, and the, the nurse comes in and she's like taking care of all the shit that they have to put on me. Um, they double Ted hose me. They put me in bilateral Naturally. compression boots. They, um, are going through like all of these crazy pre-surgery things that are like, to me, I think excessive, just like asking all of these questions, getting multiple like people coming in and out. Um, and then probably the weirdest one for me that has never happened to me before is instead of just giving me the, um, why am I blanking on the sleep meds? Um, anesthesia, instead of just giving me anesthesia, they gave me an anti-anxiety medication before I go back. And they even said, they were like, yeah, so we're going to come in and, you know, about five minutes before you go back, we're going to, we're going to give you a little bit of, of this, uh, of this medication that will just help calm you down before you go back to the thing. And I'm like, I've had many surgeries. I'm super chill. I didn't say I have any anxiety. I, I didn't say anything. And I think it's just a standard procedure that right. they hit you with these anxiety medications before you go back. And then they dose you with the, with the anesthesia when you're back there, which I thought was absurd and just unnecessary. And in my mind immediately went to, oh, they're just trying to get more money by giving you unnecessary stuff. Right. So I don't know, have you had any experiences like that? Or can you think of anything that, that kind of, I don't know, rivals that or, or, or as the same experience? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, first thing, did you get like, did you check for an itemized bill of all the things that they charge you for? Not, you know how much no, they charge you I, for some of this stuff? I don't know. And I, it's a good question though. I should, I should bring that okay. whenever I, I don't know. I haven't gotten a bill yet. So once I get that, I will, uh, we'll talk about it on the podcast. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, they're just like moneymaker questions, right? It's, even in our job, we have our start of cares that we do or our evaluations, and there are required questions to fill out that are applicable to maybe 10% of the patients that we see, right. yet they're required to be answered on everything. You know, for example, the first one that comes to mind, um, and I'm sure you have a question that's very similar to this, is like a, a dyspnea question, right? How much shortness of breath is this patient experiencing? It's a scale like zero to four. Four is they're short of breath all the time, at rest, laying down, they can't catch their breath. Zero is not short of breath at all with any activity. Um, like, I mean, yes, shortness of breath occurs. Oftentimes when patients have external oxygen or someone who had pneumonia or COVID or, you know, someone had a, a prolonged hospitalization, but they, they at, make us fill this out every single time. Mm -hmm. And so I, I inquired about it and they said, oh, well, if you show that they've had an improvement in their shortness of breath during your episode of care from when you pick them up to when you discharge, they insurance will basically pay out more. And so you kind of get that nudge from your boss or whoever it is, you know, med records to be like, Hey, 
you know, make sure that you're documenting that they're short of breath and, you know, make sure you're documenting improvement or that they did try to tell us one time, you can't discharge somebody until they've had an improvement in their shortness of breath. You can't do it, which is just, which is silly. But again, it's just, it's money makers, right? It's the little questions that will get insurance to pay that little bit more, but that little bit over all the patients that you have equates to an absurd amount of money, right? That pays for your salaries and that pays for the facilities and all that stuff. So it's silly. And I mean, we've talked about it at length about what is the answer to solving the, the crisis that we have with health insurance in America. I don't know what that is, but it's, there is a lot of wasted resources and, you know, staying in on patients that don't need it or prescribing medications that patients don't need. So um, yeah, it's, it's silly. It was really the, the anxiety medication was one that just didn't make any sense to me. And no. it was like, I, I've never had that happen before where they were like, yeah, we're going to give you something to calm you down before you go back. And I'm like, uh, okay. And, they, and it did, I mean, they gave me, and I just, yeah. it just kind of felt like I was just, you know, sunk into the bed. And then all of a sudden they were like, you know, we're going to hit you with anesthesia. We'll see you when you wake up. And I was like, okay. But I, I was, the thing was, is I was absolutely fine. I, I get it. If they were like, you know, are you nervous? Are you, you know, or do you have a history of anxiety or whatever? But I, you know, I, we never talked about that at all. They were just like, they just had, yeah. they already had that on their agenda, right? That they were going to hit me with this stuff before I go back. It's just weird. They, they know something that you don't know. Maybe. In one of your prior surgeries, when you were still under the influence of the anesthesia, you went, you went off and you started, you started humping the director of the hospital and all sorts of stuff. They were like, we're going to tranquilize this kid. At the top. It's like, put, put this puppy down mm. and don't let him get up. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's, like on say, my, you know, it's on my chart. Like I'm flagged as like, make sure you yeah. make sure you hit this kid with anxiety medication before you do anything. Chain him right. down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I will say the, the, um, based on the story that you told me last episode, anyone who hasn't listened to it, go ahead and listen to it. Dalton talks about his experience with his plastic surgeon on like the consultation type thing. And uh, he had a lot of compliments to give you. And so I think that the getting totally naked probably wasn't protocol, mm. but man, he, he, that's a good looking nose. You know and what? I think that that was personal. You might be onto something. He may have uh, taken a, that's a good looking nose. He may have taken a couple, a couple personal <laughs> flashes while I was under. Yeah. Take a, <laughs> take a, take a, take a look at that itemized bill. You're going to see uh, that he charged you for two fingers yep. uh, while you were under. Damn. Yeah. He charged me. I feel like I should have got a little bit of like a, maybe I'll get like a reimbursement check, like a thousand bucks. And it was like, <laughs> you know, you were personally violated during your surgery. Here's a thousand dollars for your troubles. Two fingers for a thousand bucks. If I was under makes you think I makes you think, hey, put me under I'll, I'm fine with that. Send me a couple grand. <laughs> keep, keep me, keep me up, yeah. man. A thousand bucks is a thousand <laughs> bucks. <me> Shit. <laughs> Give me a little intermission. If there's in the a surcharge the surgery. For, yeah. You get a little bonus, mm. you know, a little stipend for being awake. I'll take it. Hell yeah. Give it to me. The last, I'm not last scared thing, of anything anymore. <laughs> the last, last thing, it kind of goes into like a patient story. So then we can, we can transition into your patient story. Um, it just, it made me laugh so hard just, and I know, you know, this about, about people actually, before I ask, do you think in honesty, be honest? Yeah. Do you feel like, always, always. do you feel like you naturally tend to run default optimist or default pessimist? Um, 
Definitely default pessimist, yeah. I would say. I, I'm very much in the, I would rather be surprised by a good outcome than surprised by a bad outcome. And so I will, I mean, even like before I'll make a call, I'll think of, okay, where where are all of the, maybe this is my autism speaking, but like, <laughs> where are all of the routes that this conversation could go? And do I have a response for each of them? And usually so that I can get out of it as fast as possible. Or like, you know, I'm going to have a, a meeting with my boss and I, I'm upset about something. Well, if she says this, then what what comeback do I have for that? So I, I'm always thinking of like worst case outcomes. Uh, maybe that's just, I watch too many horror movies. I'm like, I'm always trying to make sure I'm, I'm ready for, for the bad situation. But uh, yeah, default pessimist, yeah. I would say. Interesting. You? So, so you kind of have to, you, so you kind of have, you find yourself having to, override that often like where you go into a situation not being open-minded like where you have where you almost go into it expecting expecting the worst all the time i mean yeah but in in my mind i view it very differently because then it's like a, a great sense of relief and you know it's it's a good surprise when things work out you know because i'm always uh, i mean let me think of an example so like uh i'm trying to get internet set up on my in my new house. And, um, you know, the first thing I do before I call them is I think, okay, Memorial day is coming up. They're probably not open. What are my options that I could work through? If they don't have an appointment here, I'll need to call this company to get my power turned on a couple days earlier so that I can do, you know, and just like little things like that. It's almost like a prep, like an over preparation thing, because then I just call and they're like, Oh yeah, we can, we can come and install it on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, great. I just, I spent all this brain power thinking of the worst case outcome and it never, you know, it didn't even come to that. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I try to keep an open mind when I go into situations, but it's definitely just like a, a preparation thing. I don't want to be caught with my pants down in any situation. Sure. Unless you're offering a thousand bucks. Unless you're underneath anesthesia. Yeah. But no, I think I, it's interesting. I definitely, I definitely run, I definitely run the opposite side of the spectrum, but I definitely see the positives and negatives in both. Cause you know, for me, I walk around as kind of like a, a smiling, dumb optimist, just imagining everything is going to go great. And if it doesn't, then I'm kind of like backpedaling a little bit to figure out what to do. Um, so I, I, but, and I can see, you know, obviously there's positive and negatives with the default pessimism as well, where like, like you said earlier, like you're going through all this brain power for something that hasn't even happened yet. And then if it goes well, it's like, oh, I just prepped for all that for no reason. But it's one of those situations too, where like, if you go in with low expectations, you can't really be you can't really be upset if there's a negative outcome, you know? So I definitely see, yeah. I definitely see both. And I think obviously there's a lot of situations, you know, like what you were describing is mostly about like decision-making, I guess, you know? And, and mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, for me again, I think I run more on the default optimist spectrum where I'm just always like, you know, if something bad happens, I just think, Oh, it could have been so much worse and I really don't care. Like, let's just move on. Or, Oh, that's such a small thing. I'm, I, it doesn't even blip my radar of being a negative thing. Like I just don't even, don't even think about it. And I'm just always, you know, I generally run excited about what's the next thing. What's, you know, uh, just excited about what's next and, and what I can do and the, the negative stuff. I just really don't focus on at all. Um, and again, I know that like, there's a lot of different avenues you could go with like optimistic and, and pessimistic, but the funny thing was, is that some people just have that pessimism just 
coursing through their veins. And I had a, a patient, I was the, the, the day before my surgery, you know, I'm just telling my patients, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll be back next week, but just know, you know, my face is going to be swollen. I'm probably going to be all taped up. Just want to give you a heads up. And this lady goes, uh, Oh yeah. What are you, what are you getting? You know, what are you having surgery? And I was like, yeah, I'm getting a deviated septum. You know, I'm just getting my, my nose straight, uh, so I can breathe. The first thing out of her mouth, she goes, Oh, but you have a nice nose. I hope they don't make it crooked. And then just left at that. And I was like, okay. I was like, what? Where? Yeah, no shit. I don't want it to be crooked either. But like, where did that come from? Like, yeah, I mean, it was just so, it was just so weird. It was just like, oh, well, hope they don't make it crooked. Like, uh, yeah. Like, I, it was, I don't know. That was like, it just hit me of like, oh, she just runs on like, everything is like the, the, just like the first thing comes out of their mouth is just like pessimistic shit and just made me mm-hmm. laugh. It, it didn't bother oh, yeah, me. It was just yeah. like, oh, okay. That's what, like, that's where your mind went first. Not just like, hey, good luck or excited for you or yeah, no problem. We'll see you next week. It just immediately was, hope they don't make it crooked. My uncle died last week from that surgery. See you next week. Yeah, exactly. It just, yeah. So that just, it made me laugh. It just made me think that like, you know, we see so many people every day and you see so many different personalities, people run hot and cold, optimistic, pessimistic. And it's just, it, it's just funny to me how people react. And at this point, I think another, we've talked about it all the time of like all the benefits that we think we get out of this job of seeing, you know, people in the, their lows of lows and getting them to their highs and seeing people in really poor situations. It's like, it just makes me, I don't really take any one single situation too seriously. And I just kind of study it a little bit more than I don't take any of it personally. Like that didn't hurt my feelings. It was more of just like, yeah. maybe step back and think like, huh, her very first thought out of her mind was just immediately negative, not thinking at all what that would do to me going into like a major three hour surgery. And even though it didn't bother me, cause I don't care. And I see people all the time that could have really fucking sent somebody else in a spiral be like, Oh my God. What if they do fuck up my nose? What if, what if, what if it does become crooked? Like, what am I, what am I going to do? But to this person, they didn't think about it at all. They just like in their head, they're just like, yep, hope they don't make it crooked. Thank you, Purple Carrot, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Are you tired of the same old boring meals every week? Do you want to eat healthier, but don't know where to start? And it's time to try Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot is the plant-based meal kit company that makes it easy and delicious to eat more vegetables. With Purple Carrot, you'll receive weekly deliveries of pre-portioned ingredients and recipes that are designed to be easy to follow and delicious to eat. Each recipe is created by professional chefs and features fresh, seasonal ingredients that are packed with flavor and nutrition. And because all of their meals are plant-based, you can feel good about what you're eating and the impact it has on the environment. So why wait? Sign up for Purple Carrot today and start enjoying delicious, healthy meals that will make you feel great from the inside out. As a special offer for our listeners, by clicking the link in the description, you can get 30% off of your first three boxes. Again, just click the link in the description and you'll get 30% off your first three boxes with Purple Carrot. Eat responsibly. Z-Biotics. Are you tired of the negative effects that alcohol can have on your body the morning after? Do you wish there was still a way to enjoy some alcoholic beverages? Well, there just might be. Z-Biotics is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic drink that helps you break down and process alcohol without the negative side effects. It's like having a personal bodyguard for your gut. 
Zbiotics is backed with over 10 billion CFUs of scientifically backed probiotics that work to optimize your body's natural alcohol processing capabilities. And it has added electrolytes and vitamins, which makes it the perfect drink to enjoy before a night out. I know for myself, it drastically improved the way that I felt waking up the next morning after having a few too many drinks with my friends. So why not give Zbiotics a try and experience the benefits of a healthier, happier gut? As a special offer for our listeners, you can go to zbiotics.com and use the code DALTON10 at checkout to get 10% off of your order. Again, that's zbiotics.com and use code DALTON10 for 10% off your first purchase of Zbiotics. Cheers to a healthier way to drink. Reminds me of a patient I had yesterday, actually. It's, it's cool that this came up when it did because the patient yesterday I have, um, I'm doing the evaluation um, they were recently diagnosed with multiple myeloma. Obviously, 99% of people aren't going to be in like the best mindset after that. Um, but anything I asked of her, eh, I'm not going to be able to do that anyways. Oh, what's the point? I'm just going to be dead in six months. It's just like so negative And so, you know, I, you don't want to call it woe is me because you have a reason to be upset. But like just completely unwilling in their like where they're at in the grief process to like accept any help or, you know, look at what you can do or, you know, anything like that. So I, I get those patients a lot where it's just like, well, what's the point? I'm, I'm not going to be able to use the toilet by myself or although my bed's too high, I'll never be able to get in and out of it by myself anyways. It's just like, just, let's just try, you know, yeah. just and that's help like, me help you. Yeah. Right. I'm here for a reason. And that's like, for me is like, well, what, what if, what if you could do that shit? Then like, let's, let's try. Mm -hmm. And if you can't, then let's figure out the next best thing for you to do. But yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that, that just makes me sad. Cause I think, you know, for me, of course I can talk all day. I've never been in that situation, but like, for me, I just feel like that's right. I would, I would try to do everything I could. Cause you never know. I mean, we've all heard of those experiences where people are like, you know, yeah, my grandpa's, my grandpa's a fucking warrior. They told him he had three months to live and he's, been alive for 10 years you know that's like and it's just because right. they it's so much of your health and your recovery and how well you bounce back is all in your head and it's like if you just if you write mm -hmm. yourself off most of those people don't make it because they're just they're negative they don't believe in themselves they don't believe like why like you said why should i try to get on the toilet myself i'm not going to be able to in six months it's it just they've they've already written their life off like it's just done and of course you hope if yeah, they just made the decision yeah, right? and you hope that if they just found that out maybe they're just in that grieving period like you said and they'll bounce out of it who knows you know who knows what their personality was like before and if they were optimistic right. and hopeful and had drive and, to get better yeah but. and and i hope that we don't sound you know hateful or we don't sound you know like we're we're not understanding or we're not empathetic or sympathetic in our in our positions you know because Dalton and I do not know what it's like to be diagnosed with cancer or to be completely debilitated or, you know, to be at a low point with your health and not being able to take care of yourself. But the thing is that our patients also don't see it from our side that we have treated a hundred of you, you know, and 95% of them got better, you know, like there are opportunities to improve and strengthen and regain independence and improve mobility and blah, 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 blah. Well, dude, There's a million things that can be done yeah, and that's, to help. That's what I was going to say is like, uh, you know, man, I, of, of course, I'm lucky enough to say that I don't know what it's like to have cancer, 
but fuck if I haven't treated a lot of cancer patients who have had positive attitudes and who have gone on to go into full recovery remission and actually be happy in their life because of working towards something and trusting the people that are around them, their family, their clinicians, their, you know, that their treatments are going well. And those people nine times out of 10 do better, you know? So that's, that's, you have to, you have to trust in that process. And like you said, even if we don't have that experience of having cancer, none of this should come off as us being judgmental towards people It's mostly just to out, give people hope out there that are listening or watching. Even if you don't have cancer, if you have anything else that's going on or just like having a positive attitude and working towards something is going to do wonders for you much better than being in that. woe is me? Like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And the more we've talked about it before, we'll talk about it again because it's so important. Yeah. That piece that the more we learn, the more we understand how much that mental health piece impacts your overall health. You know, sometimes it can be more important than what is going on physically in your body because that mindset can really can really put you if you're on the fence with your health, your mental health can really throw you one side or the other. You know, if you're positive and you want to improve and have the motivation, you're going this way, right? And if not, you're going the other way. So, um, I mean, always, you know, talk to somebody if that's what you need, let people know how you're feeling, your loved ones around you want to help. You're not a burden to them. Um, if you, there are plenty of different resources, you can work with better help online. You can do all sorts of different things. So yeah. keep your mental health in check people. hundred percent. Well, what do you, uh, what do you, what kind of story you got for us this week, Corey? I have a story of poly trauma, Ooh. A motor vehicle accident. Poly, tell people um, what poly means. Poly means multiple. Multiple. I don't, know, I don't know what the Latin root is, but when I see right when I see poly, I think you know more than one. Poly neuropathy. They have neuropathy in multiple extremities, right? Poly trauma. They have multiple traumas. When I think of poly, I think of that um, that parrot movie that came out whenever I was like four years old. Polly. I, I think of Polly Pocket. Polly Pocket. I think of Polly the Parrot Man. Polly won a cracker. Great, great movie. Makes you tear up even as a kid. Hmm. You've given me a lot to think about with that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, so I th this patient has kind of been in talks for a while because they were in the hospital for a month. Then they go to you know rehab, and it's. You know, it's starting to circulate. Oh, this this patient's coming home. You know, this there was this motor vehicle accident. Blah 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 blah. Um, so it's something that I I was kind of aware of. It was on my radar, but I didn't really understand the level to which this patient's injuries were. Um, and once I got my hands on the discharge paperwork, my nuts basically fell out of my ass <laughs> reading everything that happened to him. It was. Crazy. And I, I listed, I mean, you saw me this morning before we hopped on this, I was like writing down the diagnoses just because there was too many to even remember. And I didn't even get through all of them because it was taking too long. But to give you, to give you an idea of what happened, um, I'm going to run through a couple of the problem list. If, if that's all right with you, Please. I don't know why you, with that new nose, I feel like I, I need to, I need your approval. I'm real. I'm begging for it. And so I, anything nice you could say to me during this, I would really appreciate it. I need you to continue to um, do that for a long time now. <laughs> All right. We've got starting off at the top abrasions throughout body. Pretty obvious. 
Traumatic separation of pubic symphysis, perineum laceration, open dislocation of pelvis, pelvic ring, SI joint, and sacral fracture, bilateral pulmonary contusions with pulmonary lacerations, pneumodimediastinum, blood in the in the cavity surrounding your lungs, I guess. Yeah. Uh, mediastinal hematoma, extraperitoneal rupture of bladder, retroperitoneal hematoma, fracture of corpus cavernosum, if you know, you know, hydrocell, L3 through 5 epidural hematoma, fracture of left ribs, no numbers, <laughs> I'm guessing that means all of them, fracture of right ribs, L2 through 5 transverse process fractures, right occipital fracture, S2 anterior displacement, right sacroiliac diastases, sacral fractures, nasal bone fractures, laceration of left ear, seizure disorder, subdural hematoma, subarachnoid hemorrhage, cervical spine fracture, acute blood loss, anemia, and left scapular fracture. Whoa. And, and as a new, as a new grad, I, I wouldn't have even known where to start with something like that. Like, what do you do for this person? Right. Um, which can, I mean, we could go off on a whole different tangent than that. that that's a lesson that I learned. I had a really great um, clinical instructor on my last clinical rotation when we were in PT school. Um, but obviously polytrauma, right. And then reading their hospital course, it was like every day or every other day they were having a surgery done and complications and uh, traumatic brain injury leading to like self-extubation and just like complicated by a million different things. Um, and now they're home, went and saw them yesterday for the first time and uh, non-weight bearing on both legs, teaching some, uh, teaching some slide board transfers was, was day one. They have a cervical spine um, or sorry, a cervical collar that needs to be worn at all times, including sleeping, which is a horrifying thing. I couldn't imagine that. Um, they have spinal precautions. They have left upper extremity non-weight bearing. So trying to teach somebody to do slide board transfers with just one arm because they can't use their left arm or either leg. It, it was an absolutely insane evaluation. And I've never, I, I think that this was probably the most injuries on one person that I've, that I've had an evaluation with since I was in like the long-term acute care that I was at. Yeah. It's, this was just absolutely insane. Yeah. That's a, that is a lot of trauma. Just imagine like taking a yeah, Mr. And, the, Mr. The potato head and just throwing him against the wall and everything just fucking shatters off of him. That sounds like a horrendous. I mean, yeah, basically, basically, and uh, so anyway, seeing this patient reminded me of that story when I was with, uh, when I was with my clinical instructor and there was a woman that I was treating. Um, I was, it was pretty early on in my, in my um, rotation. And when you're first there, you're so nervous, right? You want to put your good foot forward. You don't want to make any mistakes. Um, and he just really threw me into every single difficult patient that they got. It was an outpatient clinic at a VA and uh, every difficult patient that they got, he's like, Corey's your guy, go see him. Um, which, you know, I have gratitude towards now, but at the time I was like this motherfucker, you know, like it annoyed me, but I, there's one woman in particular that I remember and 
she had, um, she was a domestic abuse survivor, um, had an ex-husband who would beat her horrifically. Um, she had to have multiple organs removed. She, multiple, you know, facial fractures, um, rib fractures, like just a, a, an insane amount of trauma, which is horrifying to even start. She had so much scar tissue built up in her abdomen um, that she like had very limited trunk mobility and just debilitating back pain because of that. And as a student, you know, I'm hearing this lady telling me this story and I'm getting so overwhelmed by like, what the fuck can I even do to help this patient? And I remember after the evaluation later on in the day, you know, he'd be like, Hey, how did everything go today? And I, and I brought up that I had difficulty with this evaluation and he was like, okay, so what were her problems? You know, and of course, in my mind, I'm like, well, she like is getting beat up and like she has all these fractures and like, he's like, no, what are, what are her problems? Right. And we get eventually down to the point where, well, her problem is she has back pain and she has bad mobility in her back. And he's like, so at the end of the day, it's good to keep those other things in mind, but do you know how to treat somebody that has back pain and has bad mobility in their spine? It's like, well, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Then just do that. And so it's, that, that was something that, that was a story that came back to the forefront of my mind when I went to see this patient. It's, it would be so easy to be overwhelmed by somebody who had so much done. But then at the end of the day, it's, this guy needs a way to get in and out of his bed. He needs a way to get onto the toilet. You know, he needs to be able to maneuver his wheelchair at at least a baseline level. And other than that, he has people, he has family in his home 24 seven to help with the rest. So taking this massive, these diagnoses and shrinking it down and just saying, okay, well, what can I do to help you today is a mindset that's really helped me in my practice when it comes to these patients who are completely overwhelming or have diagnoses that I'm not familiar with or something like that. Yeah, no, it was beautifully said. I think that's something that obviously just <clears throat> comes with practice and the more, the more patients you see with these complex situations. You're right though. I think it's but you can, you can take that even outside of therapy and just, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be as complicated as you make it. And you've got to, you know, at the end of the day, you have a job to do, and that's to help improve these people's way of life and their, and, and help them function at their highest level. And I think we, in general, I think people think that, uh, humans are much more fragile than they are. And even with somebody with these extensive injuries, there's always something that you can do. Like, you know, Hey, this person can, this person has 45 injuries listed and they can only lay on their back, but they would like to be able to roll to be able to get off the bed. Perfect. Let's work on that. You know, I think that's, and at, at, again, outside of, outside of therapy itself, you know, even, a friend who's going through a lot of shit at, at once, you know, they've lost their job. A family member has died. They're having difficulties with their relationship. They're not eating well. They've gained weight. Like it's very easy to, to try and hit all of those things and try to be the super, you know, super friend that can, can fix all those things. And at the end of the day, probably just having a meaningful conversation with them and talking about, you know, the newest video game or the newest music that came out that they're enjoyed, like that probably will do much more than you trying to fix all of these things that are outside of your control, you know? So I, yeah, I, I back you. For sure. And on to that. just to, to, 
to go along with that, you know, you have those patients who or not even patients, like you said, anybody in your life who has is going through something, you know, their partner was diagnosed with cancer, they lost their mom, they, you know, out of any anything that happens, it feels like there's a common consensus that most people just want to be treated like a human, you know, they don't want people walking on eggshells around. <laughs> Oh my God, darling, I'm so sorry. Uh, coming up and touching him. What, what can I do for you? That sometimes they just would appreciate just being treated like a normal person, yeah. you know? So, you know, this, this patient that I had went through this insane trauma. I didn't, I didn't spend any time really talking about the accident itself. I talked to him as if he was a dude that really wants to start getting on the toilet to take his shits. Hey man, what can we do to, what can we do to, you know, resolve that for you. How can we achieve that? Let's get going, you know, and not tiptoeing around all of this other stuff that they have going on, I think is, is another great thing. Other people like to be addressed directly, but if you're not comfortable being that person, don't put yourself in that situation. Like Dalton said, treat them like a human, talk to them about your interests or, you know, talk about their interests or anything like that. Yeah. It's... But definitely, definitely with, you know, these complex patients, that's, if any, there are any healthcare practitioners that are listening to this that do find themselves becoming overwhelmed with patients, just narrow down your focus. What is the root of the problem? And what is one thing you can do to fix it? And then that one thing turns into two things, turns into four things. And then the next thing you know, you know, your patient is improving and walking and independent and all this stuff. And builds and builds trust. They don't, they're not worried about all of their injuries because you've already boiled it down to a single a single intervention of like, Hey, let's get you to the toilet. That's it. You're not trying to be like, mm -hmm. you're not trying to over pamper them or, or try to scare them or, or even be afraid yourself, you know, be confident and, and just run into, and that may be the only thing you get done that day. Like, let's try to get you to the toilet. Yeah. It's going to be a successful treatment. Literally. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And some people, that's all it takes. You were telling me the story about a patient I mean, this was months ago now who I'm pretty sure all you did was lower their walker and they were like, I can walk so much better, or I don't have back pain, or this feels much more comfortable. Dude, that's, that's something a physical therapist did not need to come to their house to do that, you know, but it was one small thing that improved their quality of life tremendously. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't have anything else to say about that without uh, talking in circles. We're getting, we're but getting soft. Polytrauma. Holy shit. Yeah. It's crazy. The, let's let's finish what let's the, finish the pod today. Let's finish the pod today with uh I, I kinda wanna start getting getting a little personal at the end of the pods. And Ooh. yeah. Talking about what sort of creams are we no, I'm just kidding. So the really I actually do want to get personal because I'm just curious myself and I think it's important for other people to know. Um talking about routines, things that we're struggling with that we are trying to and trying to improve in the moment. And my question for you is in a moment like this for you, like over the last week, over the next few days, whenever things are just absolutely haywire, do you have like where the schedule's all off? You can't eat everything that you want to eat. You can't spend all the time you want to spend on certain things. Are there any specific routines that you are like, you know, absolutely not, this can't go, this is what keeps me sane or anything that you use like in your back pocket that kind of keeps you level headed during all this craziness, like with the, with the move and changing jobs and scheduling all this stuff. Is there anything you could think of? Right. Um, for me, 
So obviously I've had a lot going on and a ton of shit thrown on me in the middle of all of this stuff. Um, you know, one thing, and I don't know if I've told you this or not, but my job just, they originally told me that I would have 30 days to practice on my PT compact license. Um, a couple days ago, I guess it's been about a week now. What is that? They, PT uh, compact called license? me and said, Hey, yeah. So a PT compact, not a license, a PT contact compact privilege. I spoke wrong. Um, so a compact is basically a multi-state agreement that says if you are licensed in this state, and I think there's like 30 that are part of the physical therapy compact. There's a compact with like nurses that's way bigger, but some states come together and just have this mutual agreement that, you know, if they meet the standard that you set for practice, then they've also met our standard of practice. So as long as you pay the fee and take a test that shows you know the laws, the different laws in this state, you can practice in a different state under your home state license. Mm -hmm. So I have a license in Colorado where I've lived for the last several years. Georgia is part of the physical therapy compact. So they allowed me privileges to treat in Georgia under my uh, Colorado license. Come to find out, my job says, oh, we just found out we don't accept compact privileges. So I'm moving, I'm getting married, I'm starting a new job, packing, blah, 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 you know, wrapping up things at work. And now I have to apply for a physical therapy license in Georgia, which is a painful process to say the least. Fingerprints, background checks, transcripts, you know, all sorts of stuff that you have to complete. The only thing that has kept me sane, going back to your original question during this time, is lists, but not any lists, lists that have square boxes next to them that I can check every single time I get something done. So I'll sit at the beginning of my day or, you know, I'll add things throughout the day and I'll do this on my notes as well. There's like a little function that you can add on iPhones in the notes app where it's like a bullet point, but they're circles and then you can tap it and it does the little check. And I don't know, I don't know what kind of dopamine that pumps into my, into my system, but there's something about checking them boxes that like makes me ready to do the next one. And so I will write down, you know, you know, I have one here as an example. I have, I write everything down and I make sure that I complete it in that day. I do not let myself go to bed until I've completed all of it as long as it's manageable. So for, let me make sure I didn't write any bad words on this or anything personal. Naughty words. Nah, we're good. So this is, this is my notes for um, doing my license. And I had all these, all these boxes and I was able to check all of them. And so, you know, once I, once I get my uh, transcript set up, check that box. Once I got my, my board score sent over to Georgia state, check that box. And that is like the only thing that keeps me sane is seeing this paper and realizing that even though my, my responsibilities feel like they're out here, that they're getting smaller every single time I complete something. So I'm a list guy. I love it, dude. I started doing lists recently too. So I'm, I'm right on board with you. I'm using the Todoist app, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's helped me just like setting, setting daily, daily tasks and, and trying to not get distracted on things around that and just focus on the the tasks at hand. So I'm right there with you. I think that's the, especially with all the stuff you have going on in multiple States and thing like that, you, you almost have to do that. So we want, we, we, we want to keep yeah, you I, I already have a list. 
I have a list built out into actually the first week that I move already. We're like, we're going to, we're going to attempt to get there this Sunday night, which yeah, when this podcast comes out, it'll be like in a couple days, I'm planning on being there. And, uh, I already have a list for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the week I go of like, go get your license, go get your vehicle registered, go, um, establish with a dentist. Cause I haven't been to a dentist in fucking forever. And I need to do that. Um, you know, just like all these little things I have to do that are already set out. So I know that I can manage all of it. And I know you've been killing it on Todoist because I get a fucking notification email every single time you change something. Better believe so it. So I've been seeing, I've been seeing your work. Better believe it. Well, dude, we can, let's wrap it up there. You know, love you. I hope everything goes great with the surgery or surgery with the travel. And on behalf of the Healthy Birds audience, I thank you for showing up to the podcast today because I know you've got 40 other things on your checklist to do. So thank you for that. Because if it was just me, oof, we would probably lose some subscribers. So thank you for being here to to rein me in and have, <laughs> have great stories. But as always, dude, thank you for being here and, and having a wonderful conversation. Happy to be here, brother. It's my next step on my list is packing up my entire desk setup here. So don't expect me for any video conference stuff until next week. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, dude. Safe travels. Everybody, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And remember, be a little nicer to yourself and don't get too complicated with your issues. Boil it down one thing at a time. It's all going to work out. We love you. And we'll talk next and, week. And call call your grandparents. Call When's them. the last time you call them, you dumbass? Call your fucking grandparents. Tell them you love them. That's right. Jesus Christ. All right. Peace love, love you, everybody. dog. Love you too, man. Bye. Talk to you next week. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful if you could just hop on to Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and give us a five-star review. It really helps us out a lot. Also, check out our sponsors in the links provided in the description of the episode for some great discounts on products. If you want some short health tips and news sent to your inbox every week, do me a favor, jump on to healthybirds.org and sign up for our newsletter. If you have any questions, comments, or even complaints about my personality flaws, you can email me directly at dalton at healthybirds.org. We would love to connect with all of you. Until next time, be happy, be healthy.